Robin. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Good morning. Welcome to North Gainesville Baptist Church. Let's take our songbooks. Turn to page 531. Page 531. Sing the first, second, and last verse of All Hail the Power. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Praise him, all you people. For his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious Father, we are grateful for the day. We know all power, all majesty, all glory belongs to you and not to us. We're thankful to be in your house on this Sunday morning, your day, to worship you in spirit and truth. We pray, Lord, that you'd bless that, God, you'd give us ears to hear. I pray for those who do not know you, who may be in our midst physically or maybe online, that, God, you'd help them to see you before it's too late to understand that there are sinners and without a Savior, they're doomed to destruction in a real place called hell. Oh, God, help us who know you to know you more, to love you more, to love others more. Help us, Father. We thank you for all that you've done, what you are doing and what you will do. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So good to see you this morning. Hope you are doing well. So glad you've made the wise decision to be in God's house on God's day. How wonderful it is. Don't forget a couple of things as I remind you. Our men's breakfast tomorrow morning at the 43rd Street Deli. Just right down the way a few miles if you join us at 9 a.m. Just some good food and fellowship we have together with men pretty much every Monday. I hope you can join us at that time at 9 a.m. Of course, our other services, we have Wednesday night service, different things we do on Wednesday night, patch club, a time for our teenagers, all those different things, choir practice, uh, prayer group, all the different things will be there on your left-hand side of your bulletin, men's Bible study, of course, this coming Thursday at 7 p.m. We will have visitation, Lord willing, this coming Saturday from 10 to 12, just going out and inviting folks to church and telling them about Jesus as we have the opportunity. 
Uh, next week, be- next Sunday, begins our missions conference. Uh, typically, we've been doing that in the past, usually around uh, November or October. We decided this year to do a little earlier, try something different. Um, so we're having it in March, and we're going to have Brother Bruce Humpert. Uh, he's been here before preaching revival, but he's going to preach the missions conference. He's a former pastor for many years up in Chicago. Now he's into evangelism, and uh, I invited him to come and tell him, and he liked, wanted to come and enjoyed the fact that he was going to be preaching at a missions conference the most. So I'm so glad he's going to be coming and preaching starting next Sunday morning, 945, right here. So we won't be divided up in our Sunday school classes from teenagers on up. The younger ones, of course, will meet with their with their kids, but the older ones on up will be from teenager above. We'll be meeting right here at 945. I'm looking forward to that. And he'll be preaching, and after the preaching, we'll have a potluck, international potluck uh, dinner or lunch. So uh, whatever, wherever you're from, uh, bring that. Uh, right now, this morning, I looked, and we only had seven folks sign, signed up. Uh, if only seven folks signed up, then we're going to have a uh, we're going to have a little bit of chips, a little bit of salsa, a little bit of, little bit of hot dog, a little bit of burger, and we're going to go home pretty quick because you Baptists can eat. I've seen you. Okay, so uh, we might want to have a few more food than that, so I encourage you to sign up. At least encourage me, okay? There's going to be some food coming next Sunday morning, so, uh, you know, whatever you bring, somebody asked me, you know, is, that, is that like where I'm from? Uh, or where I'm from from? You know, like where I'm from, like right now, or from where I said yes, all the above. Just bring food. We're for it. <laughs> whether that is steak, whether that's peanut butter and jelly, whatever it is, just bring it. And I promise you, like Mikey, we'll eat it. So, amen. So we're looking forward to that next Sunday morning, next Sunday after church. Then we're going to have next Sunday night at 545, 545, we're going to have the Calvary Quartet. One of my favorite quartets, men quartet, they'll be singing. It was going to be that morning. didn't work out, but they will be here that night. They're going to start their singing at 545, so come early. And they'll probably sing three or four songs that, during that time. Then, of course, they'll sing three or four more uh, during, the, during the service. So we're looking forward to them being with us next Sunday night. And that, that message conference will go from Sunday morning, actually Sunday school, all the Wednesday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 7 p.m. And on Wednesday, we're going to have a, my, my, the Michael Shaver family. And they're going to Iceland, so it'll be an opportunity to introduce them to you, and they'll say a few words that day. Uh, ladies, March the 8th, the, lady, the Phoebe Ladies Tea and Testimonies coming up, March 8th at 6.30 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall. We are working on a new directory, a church directory. We've had ours for about two years, and uh, we've had not a lot of new folks come and join and visit the church since then. So there's a directory back there in the back that we printed out. If your information is not on there, or you changed where you live, or changed your email or telephone number, if you would do us a great favor by changing all that, putting your information on there in the back, and on the 10th, we're going to be beginning to take pictures. So on the 10th, as they said in the South for many years, wear your Sunday best. Uh, Where the best you have for pictures, we'll be taking them, I believe, right out there in the foyer. Seems like one of the best places to take them. Close by, easy to take, good color. Good lighting. We'll take them right up there in the back. And probably every Sunday the rest of March, hopefully in April, we'll get everything squared away, be able to print out a directory. That's our hope. So if you would do those things. Looking forward to what God's going to do in our midst. Brother Chuck. All right. Brother Marty said Baptists can eat. I'll tell you something. In this church right here, the ladies can cook, too. North Gainesville Baptists, they can cook now. And some of the boys, too. 
All right, choir's going to bring a special.
of this choir, they're singing, they know, they're putting a sing to it this morning. Be so glad to go up there, like that song said, we're going <coughs> to fly away on love up to heaven. That's going to be something. Amen. Man, I'm looking forward to that. It's, it's hard to hold back, you know. A little bit. Let's turn to page 457. Page 457. Sing the first, second, and the first and last verse. Page 457. at least shake hands and have some fellowship.
amen. Music has stopped, so as we find our way back to our seats, let's all take our songbooks and sing one of the prettiest songs in the whole book. Page 365, page 365, we'll sing the first, second, and last verse. Page 365.
Joe, would you pray for our tithes and offerings? Amen. You may be seated. Beautiful song, beautiful song. Colossians chapter 3 this morning, Colossians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you, Colossians chapter 3 as we're working our way through this wonderful, short, but powerful book of Colossians that Paul wrote to. Though as far as we know, he never visited, yet he sent this wonderful letter inspired by the Word of God, this epistle to these dear saints in this church at Colossae. And we have this record nearly 2,000 years now, less, so we can have it for our own lives to help us in our own lives to know him, and then by knowing him, grow in him, and how important that is. But Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18, this morning, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18, actually we'll start in verse 17, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. For he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for, for your word, how powerful it is, how personal it is, how proper it is, Lord, for each one of us. It is preserved for each one of us, and it is given today by your very will for the people in this place, and those who hear this place, it is the will of God for each one of us. No one in this room could say, that's not the will of God for me. It is the will of God for all people, for all time, forevermore. Because your word is forever settled in heaven. 
I'm so thankful this morning. I don't have to get up and from personal experience or from problems in the past, explain how to help marriages, how to help families. Your word gives the perfect prescription. Oh God, help us to hear it, to heed it, so that our marriages will be healed and helped. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first 18 verses that we've looked at thus far is talking about that, that, that new person in Christ, what it means to be saved. When a person gets born again, when a person recognizes the fact that they're a sinner, no way possible to save themselves, not by going to church, not by being good, not being Baptist, not being baptized, not being confirmed, none of those things can save a man. Only can him recognizing the fact that he's a sinner, repenting of that sin and turning and placing his faith fully in, G in Jesus Christ alone. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. Salvation is in Jesus Christ alone. We first must understand that. Know that is the truth. Because if you don't get that part, if you don't have the, if you've not been born again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, who was a wise man, a, a teacher in all of Israel, if you don't get that fact that you need to be born again, nothing else really matters from what I'm saying to you the rest of the way. Because you cannot, you cannot grow in your Christian life if you're not a Christian. Make sense? It starts with a birth. It starts with a beginning. It starts with chains. It only comes through the Christian life. Now, since you've been risen with Christ, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. Now, seek ye things above. Now, because you have this relationship with life, in Christ, now you begin to change. And that change, we talked about spiritual growth. Justification, again, is salvation at a very specific time, specific place in your life, like a, a baby born to this world. That, that salvation, that justification, just as if I'd never sinned. We said, secondly, is the, the spiritual growth, the, the sanctification. You begin as you walk in the Lord and grow in the, in the Lord, as you hear His Word and you come to church and you fellowship with believers, you begin to grow by you putting, you put things away. Things in your life that should not be there. Things that hold you back. Sin that wants to destroy you. Now in this life as a Christian, you can never be perfect. But you can grow. You don't work to be saved, but when you get saved, you begin to work for Him. And you do that by focusing on Him and putting those things in your life that would destroy you away. But you don't just take things off that hinder you, that hurt you, that want to destroy you, discourage you, and divide you. You begin to put things on. That's what this, this whole chapter is about, about. Taking things off, once you have that relationship with Christ, and then putting things on. Putting on the new man, taking off the old man. The old things used to do. Putting on the new things. Taking away the, the immorality and, and hatred and unforgiveness and, and malice. All those things and putting on goodness and righteousness and faith and hope. Putting on good, replacing the bad and putting on the good. And that is a process that's gonna, that you and I are going to go through our entire life. But one day, and maybe today, Jesus is going to come through those clouds at the rapture of the church. And we will be glorified. Meaning there will be no more fight against sin. We will be just like him. Sin will be over. The trials will be done. Sickness, pain, sorrow, and worry will all be gone. And we'll be with Him forevermore. 
And the Bible says, Paul writes in inspiration in Thessalonians, comfort you one another with these words. A better day is coming for you, friend. To deep for the Christian, your best days are not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. So have hope. Whatever sorrow, whatever trouble, whatever trial, whatever sickness, whatever pain, I promise you on the authority of this wonderful book, which has never failed, if it's failed you, come see me after church. We'll have a long conversation about it. It's never failed. He is coming again. What a wonderful promise. But what's going to happen in between that time? Well, taking off and putting on. Now, we talked about that individually, but now Paul writes in, in verse 18, what about the family relationship? And again, I'm glad this morning, I don't get up here and say, well, from my experience, <laughs> or I can tell you the good things we've done, I'll tell you the bad things we've done, and uh, that's about it. No, there is a divine prescription from the great physician of how to have a happy marriage. Now, the question is, are you ready for the prescription? And number two, if I give you the prescription, will you actually take it? Because one thing for you to go to the doctor, another thing for you to get the prescription filled out, and the third thing is, would you actually take the medicine? This is God's prescription for a healthy home. Here it is, verse 18. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Don't be, don't, be, don't be sleeping now. Don't say, well, I think I slept through that sermon, honey. No, I'm giving, I'm, here it is. Here it is, the divine doctor might give you the divine prescription of what you need to have a healthy home. Now, you can ignore it at your own peril, but this is it. Number one, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. The first of all, we see the deference of the wives. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husbands as is fit in the Lord. It is, as if you have your bulletin, you look in, you can write some notes, or you can draw whatever you want to draw. It is the position of submission. <clears throat> this involves rank. This involves rank. What does the word submit mean? It means, basically, to get in line. Now, those of you who've been in military, you understand it well. There's, there's, there is an order to things, a divine order to, th to do things. It's, it's, it's to get in rank, to get in, and get, get in line, to, be, to submit yourself, to get under. Now, this does not have anything to do with you being inferior at all. It has nothing to do with you being a lesser person or a lesser, lesser, lesser Christian or anything. Not, nothing to have to do with that at all. It has nothing to do with that at all. It just, it's, it's just like in anything else. I've been on lots of teams. Man, lots of teams. Started when I was playing peewee football. And there was quarterback, and there was running back, and there was, there was all the different players, but there was always someone saying, okay, this is what we have to do. And in, God, and in God's economy, the way he set things up in a marriage, there should be teamwork, obviously, naturally. But there has to be someone who is responsible and accountable. And who is that in the marriage? It's the husband. God said, you're going, to be, you're going to be responsible. You're the one who's going to be in charge. You're going to be the one person who I'm going to hold the family responsible. You're going to be the leader in the relationship. Not the animals, not the pets. No. No, Frodo don't get to make decision whether we go to mama's house or not. Is that a new revelation for all of you? The cat doesn't decide who goes, where you go to vacation. 
Is y'all okay with that? Y'all good with that? Y'all ain't gonna throw anything. I got a duck behind here, do I? I ain't got to hide behind here. Y'all going to throw cans of Alpo at me now. I'm going to get behind here and duck, okay? <laughs> the kids don't get to decide what you, where, you, where you go to grandma's at Christmas or not. Uh, 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 ladies, I mean, sure, men, you should listen to your wife. You'd be crazy not to listen to your wife when she gives you advice. I mean, you'd be just foolish not to listen to her. But men, you have to lead. Leaders lead. It's up to you when you stand before God, man, before Jesus Christ, at the judgment seat of Christ, which every person, every Christian is going to stand before God, not for our sins, but what's done in our body, whether it be good or evil, God himself is going to hold you accountable for how you led your family. You, not your wife, not your kids, not the dogs, not the cats, or the mice, or the fish. You, my dear friend. You, and this is not just, not just one verse. You see it throughout the entire Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Write these, write, notate these verses. Now I praise you, brother, that you remember in all the things that keep the ordinance as I deliver unto you. But I have you to know, listen, that the head of every man is Christ. Who, who are we under as men? We're, okay, we're under Christ. That's what it says. And the head of every woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. He said, there's a divine owner. We as men, who, who are we under? We're under God. And women, you're, you're, you're under, you're under the, the, the position of men. And it says there that, that, that the, the head of Christ is God. 1 Timothy chapter 11, verse 2, Let women learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer a woman not to teach, nor accept authority over the man, but to be in silence. Talking about the church. Well, that could, go, that could be a sermon we preached just right there. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in, was in the transgression. Okay? This is divine order. Has nothing to do with quality of the person. Has nothing to do with the character of the person. The buck private is just as important as a general, as a character is, as a quality, as a person. But obviously, there's rank. And so, in success in any group of people, there has to be rank. And this is, again, this is not Marty Moon saying this. This is what God says. So they perceive the position of submission, but the person of submission. Who are you supposed to submit to? Ladies, you're supposed to submit to every man that you see? And you said, no, because <laughs> the Bible says no. Unto your own husbands. The infants here is on loyalty. In a day and age where there is no loyalty, even among Christians sometimes, they're saying, wives, submit yourselves unto the man that you married. Him. Not that other man. Not many men, but just him. Submit yourselves to your own husbands. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church. He's the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. But dear friends, this is not my prescription. This is God's prescription. This is what God says. And what's the purpose of it? It says there, as it is fit in the Lord. What is it saying? This is what I'm saying to you is appropriate. It's God's will. It's God's desire. It's God's plan. It's what he wants. That's what his desire is. Now you say, preacher, man, that sounds good. But man, do you know my husband? 
<laughs> you know what type of joker he is? You know where he does? You know where he goes? You know what he looks at? It doesn't say submit yourself unto a good husband. It doesn't say submit yourself unto a wise husband. It doesn't say submit yourself unto a husband who's always going to treat you right, has a good personality, he'll buy you flowers every Friday, come home, fix you dinner. You say, wow, where's that guy at? Never seen him. No, it doesn't say submit yourself unto the perfect husband because there's not one. On Valentine's, I went by Walgreens and they had the half-off sale. And it went by there and I looked at the little rack and it said half off and I found a little chocolate man It said the perfect man. I gave it to my wife. I said, you ain't had one? You ain't never had a perfect man, but here's your perfect man right here. A chocolate man. <laughs> and she ate it all up. <laughs> there ain't never been no perfect man. There never will be a perfect man except for Jesus Christ himself. A perfect man. But it's fitting. This is fitting. This is right. Even Peter said, 1 Peter chapter 3, listen ladies, like all you wives be in sub subjection unto your own husbands, that if any obey not in word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. That's a lifestyle. I've seen this. I've seen a woman married to an unsaved man because when they got, they were, got married in high school, they, neither one of them were saved. The woman got saved. The husband wasn't saved. By her conversation of life, by her lifestyle, by her submitting herself even to her unsaved husband, she won her husband by her godly lifestyle. I've seen it. I've seen it happen with my own eyes. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning, let it not be the outward adorning of plating of hair and the wearing of gold or the putting on apparel. It's not the outside that matters, but the inside. But let it be the hidden man of the heart, which is not corrupt, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is the sight of God, a great price. For after this in the old time, the holy women also who trusted the Lord adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed, Abraham calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well, are not afraid of the amazement. I love this illustration that Peter gives talking about Sarah. Remember Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament? We went through the a whole series of the characters of the Old Testament in the book of, of Genesis, and we talked about Abraham and Sarah. Think about their relationship. Was it always a perfect relationship? Oh, no, no, no. Sarah did some dumb things, and so did Abraham. One time there was famine in the land. Couldn't find any place to eat. Couldn't, things were, they were tight. Things were struggling. Problems all around. And instead of trusting in God, who I believe would have protected them because they were in the promised land at the time, they went south. And I can't tell how many people have called me from way up yonder saying, I'm coming to Disneyland. I said, well, God bless your soul. You can't live in Disneyland forever. And on the beaches, you can't live on sunshine, though you think you can. You actually have to work for a living. But they went south. They went down to Egypt land, which is always a betrayal of the world. and always an image or type of the world. And on the way down there, Abraham looks to Sarai, which is his half-sister, same father, different mother, and says, I want you to not tell the truth, but a half-lie and say, hey, that's not my, this is not my wife, this is my sister. And what does she do? Did she say, well, you know, that's the craziest thing? Uh, we don't know all the conversation, but ultimately we know she obeyed. She submitted himself. She submitted himself to Abraham, Abram at the time. And what happened? Well, that whole thing, the Pharaoh, she, she got, when she went down to Egypt, the Pharaoh took her among the, the harem. And, but what, what happened the whole time? 
God protected Sarai through the whole situation. And who did he condemn? Who did he speak to? Abraham. He said, Abraham, you made the mistake. You left God's will. You didn't do what's right. I'm protecting Sarai because she did right. She listened. She followed her husband even though he did wrong. So you say, ladies, my husband's always wrong. I'm not saying trust your husband. I'm saying trust God to do what he wants you to do. Trust God through your husband. Because he says, this is, this, is the divine, this is the divine prescription. This is what I want you to do. Well, what if he goes out and goes, does something crazy? Or what if he decides to move or sell the house? And What should I do? Do you trust God? Did Sarah trust God? Sure she did. She trusts God. And she followed God. And what did God do? He protected her the whole time. Do you have faith to believe that God will protect you? And this is what God wants you to do, Christian woman, Christian wife? Yes. Well, yes. So we see the difference of the wives but the devotion of the husbands. Look what in verse 19. Husband, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Yes, them. So not only should a wife be in submission to her own husband as it is fitting the Lord, the man's responsibility is to love your wives. Now, in our English translation of the scriptures, King James, there's, we see the word love and it's not precise enough. Meaning, in the Greek language with the New Testament is written in, there's different types of love. There's phileo love, like Philadelphia, the, the, the city of brotherly shove. Okay, and there's eros, meaning immoral, exotic, erotic type of love. But there's also the word agape, meaning God love. This is John 3.16 love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This is, this is agape. This is, means I'm willing to give my life for her love. This is that type of love. Husbands, I'm willing, be willing to give your very life, give everything, sacrifice everything for your wives' love and be not bitter against them. So we see the passion that a man, the passion for his wife. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church. And what do you do for the church? He gave himself for it, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives? How much? How much are you supposed to love your wife, men? As your own body. Now, you, you, you love your body, men. How do I know? How do you know you love your body? I see you eat. <laughs> I see them run up down the street. I see them work out. Man, you spend a whole lot of time on that body, feeding it, protecting it, taking care of it, working it. You, you care about it. As much as you love your body, you should love your wife. Do you? Do you love your wife as much as yourself or more? You should. That's what the Bible says. So all men to love their wives, even as their own body. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. So men, let me ask you a question. Does your wife think you love your work more than her? Does your wife think you love your wealth more than her? Does your wife think you love your weapons more than her? Does your wife think you love your wills more than her? Do you, does your wife think you love your whelps or children more than her? Men, 
There's nothing in this world you should love except for Jesus Christ himself that you should love more than your wife. If there's anything else, you're not obeying this book. That's God's prescription. That's what he says. Love your wife. Love your wife. Now, dear friend, it's not just, okay, I said, I said it. You know, preacher, I said it right down here. I love my wife. Okay. Now, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? <laughs> what are you going to do? What did you do yesterday that showed you love your wife, man? Well, man, I, you know, I, uh, I watched, I watched uh, basketball all day long. Well, that was good. <laughs> Would you do anything to show, you, to show your wife just yesterday or last week that you actually loved her? Do you tell her? But not just tell her, but did you show her? Does your life scream by your actions and attitude? If we were going to do a trial, could most folks in this room say, man, ain't no doubt that man loves his wife. What he does for her, how he helps her, how he encourages her, what he buys her, how he spends time with her. Oh, man, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Mm. We see the presence of love with the praising of love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to edifying, that may minister grace unto his hearers. Colossians chapter 4, and verse 6, Let your speech be always with, with grace, seasoned with salt, that you, that you may know how to, ought to answer every man. It says there, Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. How's your words? That's how bitterness is, exp is expressed, by our words and our action and our attitude. Are you mad at your wife? Have you forgiven your wife? Is there anything, any sin, any problem, any pain, any past problems that you haven't forgiven her? Oh, dear, salt improves taste. Amen. All you who love fries, say amen. Salt purifies a wound, and salt preserves the meat. Yes, dear friend, yes. We should see the presence of love in a marriage. We should see the praising of love in a marriage. And we see the providing of love. It is a providing thing. It provides love between another. It, it fills the whole house. It's the aroma that anyone walking into that room, anyone walking into that place, it's noticeable. I've been in some homes. Man, it, it, the decorations look nice. The yard was immaculate. But as soon as you walked in the house, it was cold as a cucumber. Woo! Because there was no love there. Oh, there was... There was mutual respect. Oh, you know, you live, on, you, you live on your side of the house. I live on my side of the house. And we pass like ships in the night. But there's no love there. Is there love in your marriage? Is there something that happened in the past that you've never forgiven each other about? That you haven't talked about in years? Oh, 20 years ago. Remember when I told you I didn't want that saw for Christmas? You bought me a saw for Christmas. And every Christmas for 25 years you bring up the saw. Dear friend, let the saw go. <laughs> the saw's not worth it. <laughs> it's not worth it. The wicked devices is hated. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Be ye not angry and sin not. Let, the sun, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Oh, dear friend, the divine prescription from God's word is the deference of wives, the devotion of husbands. But children, children, I haven't left you out. The docility 
of children. What does it say in verse 20? Look at it. Children, obey your parents. Obey your parents because they're always perfect, right? <laughs> they never do all things, anything wrong. It says obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. What's the requirements of docility to obey? Obedience is doing what you're told when you're told with the right attitude. Obedience is doing what you're told when, when you're told with the right attitude. That's, what, that's, that's the requirement, kids. That's the requirement. That's God's desire is obedience. And, and how things? In all things, not just in some things. Not when you just like it. Not when it's, not when, uh, you know, I think when I'll get to it. Or, I, you know, when I feel like it. When mom and dad says, hey, take out the trash, the best thing you need to do is jump up with a good attitude, and that's the key, a good attitude and say, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, and go out and do it. That's the best thing to do. That's God's will for your life. That is the very will of your life as children. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Proverbs 1 verse 8, oh, Proverbs is full of wisdom for children, for kids, for all of us. My son, hear the instruction of thy father. Forsake not the law of thy mother. Proverbs 1 9, for they shall be an ornament of grace into thy head and chains about thy neck. We see the requirements of docility, but the result of docility, it is well-pleasing unto the Lord. When you choose to obey your parents, it is God's will, it is pleasing unto him. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 5, He that gathers summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in the harvest is a son that causes shame. Proverbs 13 verse 1, A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 2, Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment promise. I think about Jesus, young Jesus. He was God, he is God, he always will be God. But even Jesus, it said about him in Luke chapter 2 and verse 51, and he went down with them, talking about Mary and Joseph, and came to Nazareth and was subject. He submitted himself. He was subject unto them. Why? Because he said he wrote the word. And he who wrote the word was bound by the word to obey the word. Even as Christ, as a young man, as a young preteen, about 12 years old or so, submitted himself, even though he was God, to Mary and Joseph. And dear friends, such, so should all children. The deference of wives, the devotion of husbands, the docility of, chil of children. But number four, the demeanor of fathers. Look at verse 21. Men especially. Fathers. How many fathers we got here? Raise your hand. Fathers, I'm talking to you. Fathers. Fathers. It says, verse 21, Provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now, I'm a father, and I can tell you, I've done it. I failed, my, I failed myself. It says the problem of the demeanor. Provoke not your children to anger, the peril of demeanor, lest they be discouraged. Lest they get, you know, get to the place where they get depressed because... We do things that we should not do to cause our, our children to be discouraged, to, to be frustrated, to be upset. And I wrote down, I wrote down a, a several things that we do as, as fathers, sometimes as parents, to discourage them. Sometimes we as parents, or fathers specifically, provoke their children by overprotection. It's called the helicopter syndrome. I understand you love him. I understand you want to protect him. But the young man, he's 18 years old now. He's telling him, no, 
He can go to camp for a week. He'll make it. I promise you. I ain't brought none dead yet back. Okay. <laughs> don't overprotect. Woo, please don't. Parents, don't provoke your children by shoving favoritism. Oh, don't say the phrase, I wish you were like. You know what you've just done? You've, you've just basically cut your own throat. Because basically you just said, I love so-and-so more than that person. I wish you were. No. Every child is different. Everyone. Some are, some are athletic. Praise God. Some are academic. Some are out there, man. They're, man, they're out there running around, fellowshipping, having friends, doing all kinds. Some are in their room, just studious as can be. All types of people. One's not right, one's not wrong. God made people different. Can you, can you, can you be okay with that? You can't change who they are. Encourage them, as long as they're not doing something wicked or wrong or evil against God's word. Encourage them in the gifts that they have. That might not but what you like. You say, well, I'm not athletic. Why should I encourage my son to be athletic? Because that's how God made him. You say, well, I'm not very studious. I, didn't, I, was, I was a flunky at school, but maybe he's going to be smart. Praise God, we're the smart folks in the world. They're going to be smart. Encourage them in that. Whatever gifts they have, encourage them to do those things. Oh, dear friends, parents, we can't provoke our children by depreciating uh, their worth. Man, don't put them down. Oh, you're, you'll never be good at that. You'll never can do You never, never. Whenever you, say, whenever you say the words never and always, you're probably making a mistake. Because never and always don't, are not always never, and it isn't always. Don't depreciate, depreciate them. Encourage them. Lift them up. See things that are do, they're doing that's good and help them and encourage that. Be there as much as able for that game, for that practice, for that stuff. Help them. Encourage them in that area. Oh, number five. We as parents need to provoke our children by failing to show affection. Oh, man. I hate it. But it's true. I've seen parents love their dogs and cats more than their own kids. You say, preacher, is that true? I've seen it with my own eyes, folks. What I'm telling you is true. Oh, I love animals too. But dear friend, your child, your son or daughter, has an everlasting soul. And while they're with you, love them. Oh, affectionate but animals and stuff. Treat them right. But you should love your kids more than animals. You should love ki your kids more than your football team, your basketball team. You should love your kids more than your hobby, more than your shotgun, more than your Harley. You should love your kids. But God first, your wife second, then your kids. Not the dog first, then your Harley, and then, or then your houseboat, not, and then everything else, and then maybe somewhere down there your wife, and then, well, God, well, that's different. On Easter and Christmas, and when my wife tells me to go to church. Where's our priorities, folks? So, dear friends, on all these things, I'm sure I failed. So what do you do when you fail? Well, I'm just a failure. I'm, I, you know, I always do wrong. I'll never get it right. Remember I just told you don't use always, don't do never? See, dear friend, it's not how many times you fall down. It's how many times you get back up. I don't know about you, but I made a lot of mistakes in my life. 
God's divine prescription for my marriage, for my family, because I know if I do what he says, it will be successful. Because this prayer is not from a human body. This is from the grace of God. Well, I ask you a question. This prescription is for all families. It's given to you this morning. The question is, will you Thank you for your love and your mercy. Oh, how we need your word. How we need your guidance. Not the words from men, but the word from God. You may be hurting relationships here this morning. Past problems, pain, suffering. Maybe anger, hurt in the lives and marriages today. Oh, how wonderful the great physician is. If we'll just come to the place where we say, I was wrong. <laughs> I've been sick, i made mistakes, I've sinned, but by the grace of God, I want to do better. I see what God says. I know what I want, but I see what God says, and because of what God says, I need to change in my actions. Wife, I need to change. Husband, I need to change. Children, I need to change. Whatever position you are, could you say with all honesty, I am exactly doing what God wants me to do? I am taking the divine prescription that he's given his word and I am following it maybe you're here this morning and you know Christ is your savior remember I started out by saying you can't be the right type of wife you cannot be the right type of husband you cannot be the obedient child without truly knowing Christ is your savior the greatest thing you could ever do is not get more insurance not have a better job not have a better wife not have a better husband not have more obedient kids the greatest thing you'll ever do in this universe is trust Christ as your savior has been a time in your life where you recognize the fact that you're a sinner and you couldn't save yourself. You, re you repented. You, you said the way I I'm going is wrong. i got to change that by the grace of God. And you placed your faith in Christ alone. We're all sinners. The Bible says it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But dear friend, you can be saved. You can be saved today. Oh, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Turn from your sin. Admit your sin and turn to Christ. I'm here today, preacher, but I don't know, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm not sure if I, would, if I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I want to. I want to go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Anybody at all? Raise your hand. I, I won't embarrass you. All, every head's bowed, every eye closed. I'm not a Christian. I'm not sure if I was to die, I'd go to heaven, but I want to be sure. I, I have doubts about it right now, honestly. Would you pray for me? Would you lift up your hand so I could see you? So I could pray for you specifically? Anybody at all? Christian, maybe you're here this morning and say, Preacher, God spoke to me. Now, it might not even have been about the area of marriage. And God, in his wonderful grace and through the Holy Spirit, sometimes speak to us about something else, not even in the text that's in front of you this morning. Maybe it's about something else, but maybe it's about marriage. But maybe this morning you say, Preacher, God spoke to me about a specific area of my life that I need to change. And I'm asking God, by his grace, to change me and help me to be obedient in that area where he showed me today. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, Preacher, God showed me something this morning. 
some area I need to change. I, I, God showed me something. I need, I need to be better in this area. Amen. Praise God. Someone else. Someone else. better would you pray for me preacher anybody else amen praise God anybody else now's the time I have no doubt in my mind if God's will that you be here on this Sunday morning at this time we're here to set for a purpose and a reason when you realize God wants to help you be more like Christ you're going to be able to help you no that's not that medicine is good for mama that medicine is good for my sister all those church folks I know it's good for them but that's not for me. That's not for me. That's not for me. No, dear friend, it's for you. It's for every one of us. Preacher, I need help. Would you pray for me? Anybody else? Let's stand to our feet this morning. As a piano play softly. God spoken to your heart. It's an area I need to change. at the house. Oh, you love your W and love your W. dear friend, if you're struggling in some way, personally, in your marriage, it's easy just like sickness to say, I'm not that bad. I've done it. How many, how many of you have done it? A little cough, a little sneeze. Then you keep on having that cough, keep on having that sneeze. You get on, you keep on, you keep on. Oh, and you never go to the doctor. I did that when I was in college. It almost killed me. Thankfully, I listened to my wife. She said, go to the doctor doctor says you got pneumonia if you didn't come in you would have died a divine prescription was given to you 
will you do something about it? You say, I need help, preacher. That's why God put me here, folks. That's why God put us here, to help. For 23 years now, God has been using me to help marriages, teenagers. That's why God places here. Don't say, well, I, you, you don't, I don't have, no. Forget the excuses. Get in touch with me, call me, text me, message me. I need help, preacher. Would you spend time? That's why I'm here. 95% of my counseling is with marriages to help you, to take that divine prescription, to lay it all out, to encourage you, to help you, to be what you need to be, what you can be by the grace of God. So glad today that Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be here to worship you this morning, Lord. Spoken this morning, Lord. Thank you for giving us guidance and wisdom in your Bible that we can follow to uh, mold our life after, Lord, and uh, just show us how we ought to live, Lord. We have an instruction manual for us to follow. If we just follow it, we'd um, we'd be more better off for it, Lord. And just uh, just help us to. Uh, to follow after your word, get in your word and, and read it every day, Lord, and get in that instruction manual. Just be with the rest of the, uh, the service later t uh, this afternoon, Lord, and to just take us home safely. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.